Hello, and welcome to Bubby Brister's Brunch Buddies, your go-to show for football history, analysis, and general sports information on the Dallas Cowboys, Washington football team, and the Seattle Mariners on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. I'm Harry Gollin, here with Andrew Pearson. As always. And today, Andrew and I are going to be covering the matchup between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll also talk about Greg Rosenthal's revamped QB rankings, some playoff odds, and a bit of MLB offseason news. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's look at the matchup first. So it's the Steelers and the Chargers. The Steelers hold the advantage all time, rather unsurprisingly, 24 to 10. And the teams have never tied. Interestingly, not only have they never tied, they have never gone to overtime in any of their matchups. That is interesting after about, what, 35 tries? That's about 35. This will be their 35th. So in the playoffs, though, the Chargers are actually 2-1. and one. The Steelers' sole win coming in the 9 divisional round, while the Bolts took an AFC championship in a wildcard round back in the, I think, 70s or 80s against the Steelers. Wait, you're, you're saying, um, wait, so which games did the, the Chargers win again? A championship round and a divisional one? And a wild card. The Steelers took the divisional. Okay, so if if they took a championship one, that would be their uh, Super Bowl against the Niners, right? I think so. Yeah, that would have been like 87, 88, right? Something Something like like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, Andrew, you can release that breath I know you've been holding. There will be no difficulty in finding a Bubby Brister connection, as Bubby Brister actually played... Uh, the Chargers with the Steelers multiple times. Excellent. And let's talk about one of those times. Oh, it was October 7th, 1990 at Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh. Now, neither team had a winning record, but the Steelers had a secret weapon. They His had name Bobby. was Walter Andrew Brister. That's right. And, he, and so here's what happened. In the first frame, a Gary Anderson kick was erased by a Chargers drive led by previously mentioned journeyman quarterback Billy Joe Tolliver, leaving the Steelers down 7-3 to heading into the second quarter. Then, Bubby stormed down the field, not once, but twice, connecting with Eric Green for, one, for an 8-yard touchdown pass and a 1-yard touchdown pass, burying the Chargers 17-7 to heading into the locker room. As the third quarter started, a rushing touchdown for Pittsburgh really put the game away, but Sandio actually recovered a fumble in the end zone to make it 24-14. However, that's where the scoring got a little weird because the, four, the first points of the fourth quarter were a safety on a blocked punt. Then Gary Anderson kicked a field goal, and then Barry Foster ran into the end zone, and Pittsburgh ended up putting up 12 points in the final frame, closing the book on a 36-14 Steelers win. I think you mean uh, Bubby Triumph. A Bubby Triumph. So let's talk for a minute about Bubby Brister's. A Bubby beat down, if you will. Bubby Brister threw two touchdowns on only 14 attempts. Mm -hmm. Andrew, do you know what what kind of a touchdown percentage that is? Um, Not off the top of my head, but it should be one in seven, right? That's right. That's about 14%. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Andrew, do you know what Tom Brady's percentage <laughs> A heck of a lot lower. That's right. Bobby Brister is better than Tom Brady. Anyway, he also had no picks and 
a 145.5 rating for the game. He also averaged six yards of carry on one carry. So not only is he statistically better than Tom Brady, he's a better rusher than Lamar Jackson. He was Vic before Vic. Brady before Brady. Mahomes before (laughs) Mahomes. Truly a god walking amongst men. That's right. That's right. Now, let's talk about another game, which was in 94, I believe. This was a Week 17 game. Now, the Steelers were actually uh, 12. They were, yeah, they were 12 and 3, and the Chargers were 10 and 5 heading into this game. So they're two good teams. This is 94 in San Diego, right? Mm -hmm. And you might recognize the Pittsburgh quarterbacks, Neil O'Donnell and Mike Tomczak. Mm -hmm. You might not recognize the Chargers quarterbacks, Stan Humphreys and Gail Gilbert. Oh, geez. (laughs) Yeah, to be clear here, the Chargers were a winning team that year. So, you know. Anyway, let's talk about that game for a moment, right? First quarter starts out with some rip-roaring offense, Andrew. One field goal for the Chargers. (laughs) It's zero to three. And then what happens? Well, Pittsburgh responds in the early second quarter with a Gary Anderson field goal to knot it all up at three. Then Andre Coleman returns the kickoff for 90 yards. San Diego up 10 to three. But then Gary Anderson kicks another field goal. And Neil O'Donnell finds Charles Johnson to make it 13 to 10. Unfortunately, Stan Humphreys uh, was able to knot it up with a passing touchdown of his own, making it 17 to 13. Come the third quarter, Natrone Means scored on a two-yard run to give San Diego a 24 to 13 lead. Now, here's where this gets interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Because Pittsburgh kicked two field goals to get six points and did not score a touchdown, except for the – they only scored one touchdown. They were going for a two-point conversion when Fred McAfee ran into the end zone. They failed to get the two-point conversion, so they were down five, 24 to 19. Then Mike Tomzak goes downfield to Charles Johnson, 84 yards mm-hmm. to make it – and then successfully converts on the two-point conversion to make it 27-24 Pittsburgh at the very beginning of the fourth quarter. Now, San Diego is able to quickly tie it up with a field goal, making it 27 all with about 10 minutes left. Then Mike Tomzak does it again. He hits Andre Hastings 11 yards downfield to make it 34 to 27. To be clear here, Mike Tomzak comes in as the backup and throws two fourth quarter touchdowns and converts a a two point conversion. He's doing his job here, right? Mm. By all accounts, you really couldn't ask for much more, but with less than five minutes left, Natrone means breaks off a twenty, uh, breaks off a twenty-yard run, and then with the game tied later, John Carney would kick a game-winning field goal with three seconds left, and we, uh, thirty-seven and we should, to thirty-four, and, San Diego would lead. And which year is this again? Ninety-four. Ninety-four. This would have been Natron means one and only Pro Bowl selection, folks. He had three hundred forty-three yards, thirteen fifty, uh, or three hundred forty-three attempts. Sorry. 1,350 rushing yards and 12 TDs. This was really his only, you know, next next level season. Uh, really the height of uh, his career as a second round pick. Right. And in fact, he rushed for 85 yards in this game and critically two touchdowns, which was the difference in a slim 
37-34 victory. But let's talk for a moment about Neil O'Donnell. Ah, Neil O'Donnell. <laughs> I like that guy. So you like him because he threw two picks to the Dallas to Larry Brown. Yeah. And cost the Steelers the Super Bowl. True. True. First of all, the Steelers made the interesting decision to move on from Bubby Brister and replace him with Neil O'Donnell. Did they lose this game to the Chargers and the Super Bowl against the Cowboys as an act of divine revenge for uh, to protect Bubby? We don't know for sure. We can't confirm but I think the, that. The answer is yes, though. So after O'Donnell caused, basically lost his job because he blew it in the Super Bowl, uh, I think that was the 93 season. No, uh, no, no, was no, 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 97. No, was it that late? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it, no, it was yeah, not. Yes, no, it, it was. was. Not. It was 95. Because he got the contract from the Jets in 96. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, it was an earlier one. No, no, fact check that. Yeah, I am right now. He signed. Yeah, I have the I have the contract here. February 29, 1996. Five years, 25 million with the Jets. Okay, so yeah, so this would have been the 95 season, right? Okay, 95 Super Bowl, yeah. Okay. So anyway, O'Donnell is basically run out of Pittsburgh for throwing two picks to one cornerback in a Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but the Jets are like, we believe in this guy. Five years, $25 million. And this is the 90s, so that is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, do you know what his record was in his first year as a Jets quarterback? Their new $5 million a year man. Didn't he get hurt? Yeah, but he still managed to play a little under half the season. So what was his record in the games he did play, Andrew? Uh, probably like 2-5 and five or something. 0-6. Oh 0-6. And six. Oh and six. Jets moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then he... Uh, oh, wait. His Wikipedia article would like me to know, would like me to note that he did actually throw for 292 or more yards in three of those starts. Wow, I'm so He compiled impressed. stats in garbage time. Yay. I'm so anyway, impressed. He was a little bit better in 97, but he actually lost the starting job. And when he refused to renegotiate his contract, Parcells actually waived him. <laughs> then, Jeez. because apparently Neil O'Donnell could just fail upwards, he signed a four-year $17 million with contract the Titans, with the Cincinnati... Right? Nope, you're skipping one. The Bengals. Oh, okay. And uh, he was actually pretty okay. He had actually a 90.2 passer rating, which was pretty good for a rough passing year overall. Um, but despite playing rather well, the team finished three and thirteen, largely due to a bad defense. And they got rid of they they cut Neil O'Donnell again. He gets these big contracts, but he never finishes them. This is like Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford before Sam Bradford. Right. But you know who they cut Neil O'Donnell to make room for? An exciting young rookie. What? Who, the Bengals? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This is either John Kitna or uh, the the black dude who who got cut (laughs) or or Uh like tore his rotator cuff or something. Achilles Smith. Achilles Smith, yeah, that, that's who I was yeah. thinking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was an exciting young talent uh, who the Bengals thought was the future of their franchise. As it turned out, he was, he was not. not. Then O'Donnell gets another multi-year contract, this time with the Titans, and he's actually a solid backup for Steve McNair. So 
there you go. But actually, he retires after 02, but he comes back in 03 for the uh, for the Titans again, yeah. And uh, he's okay. The only thing that's interesting and the most notable thing about his career was that he had the lowest career interception percentage, which was 2.11 per 100. Now, since then, Aaron Rodgers has eclipsed it. He's at 1.46% uh, interception percentage, though I think that's a little outdated. I think that's more like the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's thrown more picks since then, that many more picks. So it's around then. It's around 1.5. Yeah. So barring a complete disaster of a twilight of a career for Aaron Rodgers, he'll have surpassed Neil O'Donnell in that regard. But still, an interesting note. Now, unfortunately for the Steelers, they don't have Neil O'Donnell or Bubby <laughs> Brister at quarterback. Though, God, I think they wish they did because they just tied the Lions. Um, but my question to you is this, Andrew. Yes. Obviously, the Chargers are a better team. And we're, and we're, and we're moving towards, like, modern times. You yeah. Know, what's going to happen this Sunday? Yeah. So – is there a realistic way short of just the Chargers completely choking for the Steelers to win this game when they without any good quarterback? Yes. There is a way. Okay, I'd like to hear it. So, you'll notice that that in most of the Chargers losses this year, it's mostly been to teams who are very physical, uh can dominate in the trenches and know how to run the ball. Uh for example, they lost big to the Cowboys. Um, the Ravens, they, they for sure choked against here. Let me just double check. Uh, let me just double check. They the also re- real quick, but they got beat by, so, oh, they got beat by the Vikings. Yes. They got beat by the Vikings as well. Uh, that was pretty bad. They, they lost. Honestly, to, that's pretty bad. They lost to the Vikes. Uh, they lost to the Cowboys. They almost lost to the Eagles. Uh, they lost to the Pats. <laughs> like these teams are teams that have good line play and know how to run the ball. Now, the Steelers this year, their O-line is okay, but they have a, they're starting to have a better running game, um, and, and their defensive line is dominant. Uh, the problem with, with the Chargers is that, specifically their, their defensive line, super squishy. Tons of undersized, uh, really understrengthed uh, guys in, in that interior defensive line, and that's where the Steelers are going to, make, uh, are going to butter their bread is right there in the trenches. Now, I don't know about TJ Watt's uh, status for this game. I know he had kind of a, a, a tweaked hip the other, the other week, uh, so I don't, know his, I don't know his status yet. And I don't think we really care about Big Ben's status because, you know, is he really that much better than... Historically than dominant woman respecter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Anyways. anyway. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, Big Ben, very bad. They're, the Steelers don't have a good quarterback on the roster. <laughs> yeah, Mason Rudolph just airmails half half the balls he throws, um, but Big Ben does too. So, um, are you really getting a better quarterback this week? I don't know, um, but the playmakers for the Steelers are still there. Um, the Steelers have a formula to win. I'm obviously not pretending that the Steelers are, Steelers are favored because um, Justin Herbert has been very, very good. 
Um, he just get you know, you still want him to grow more in terms of like being able to read coverages a little bit better because he's been getting tricked by defenses these past couple of weeks, especially from smart defensive coordinators on good defenses. So uh, that's also something to note. But okay. the, the Chargers are going to be favored. I would still pick them to win. But don't be surprised if the Steelers hang around really close in this game because they have the capacity to do so. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a pretty accurate assessment. I still think that this, frankly, this – they tie the Lions. Oh, my God. Dude, not dude, the Lions. The Lions, the Lions can't even win. They they can't even lose, right? Well, they can lose. Uh, they can lose sixteen games again. Go winless, losing sixteen games. What are you talking about? They are the best O and eight and one team in NFL history. <laughs> Has there ever been an O eight and one D in NFL history? I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Imagine breaking. All... Imagine breaking your eight game losing streak with a tie. <laughs> that's a, that's that's what the Browns did. Do you remember that they had the losing season that carried over? From like the 16 loss season or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and they broke it with a tie against who was it? No, they, no, because Baker Mayfield got. They tied like first... the Chargers or something. Yeah, it was something like that. Oh, didn't they tie the Saints? Yes, they tied. The... No, yeah. no, they lost to the Saints. They lost. To the they lose this. They were win. They were beating the Saints. They had the Saints beat, and then they blew it somehow. I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, they blew it, and then speaking and then... of blowing it, the Saints against the Titans. Oh my! God. No kicker, no kicker moment. <laughs> will people? We will. The Saints miss Will Lutz. What happened to Will Lutz? I think he, he got get injured. Uh, he, he pulled his groin or some something like that. Uh, rough. So yeah, can he, he can he like can they like roll him out there and like some like one of the one of the fast <laughs> guys like Alvin Kamara because he's already carrying the offense can like roll him up on a wheelchair like really quickly into the ball <laughs> and try and kick it because he can't be any less accurate than the current kicking team for the saints uh who's the kicker now it's it's some undrafted guy no disrespect to whoever he is i mean it's just man that that hurts because you have will lots you you win that game and with considering the uh saints have either alleged rapist uh jameson winston uh james winston or mm-hmm. uh the storm and mormon at qb they don't really have a good qb they need all that they can get yeah, some some something called a Brian Johnson was, was that's that, that's a wit, that's a witness protection name. <laughs> <laughs> Your name is Brian Johnson. <laughs> Steve Smith. All right. Like so, all right. I think with that I'll say that I don't think the Steelers win this game because yeah, you're I think you're right Andrew that there's certainly the potential when you look at the rosters on paper for an upset. But the Steelers just tied the Lions. Yeah. So I don't think they, when you need an upset, you need to come in with momentum. Of course, I say that when the Washington football team just upset the defending champions coming off a bye week. And before that bye week, they cut their kicker for a guy <laughs> who can't aim. And they lost in humiliating fashion multiple times. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you just need to humiliate a team into eventually having an upset. Maybe. Bullying works? Question mark? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever the case is, I still don't think the Steelers have a great car- uh, a great chance just because they need some momentum. And, and, and their, quarterback the si- their quarterback situation, really. Yeah. Listen, if you want to pull up an upset, you need momentum. And tying an 0-8 team is not momentum. <laughs> Might just be the least momentum-shifting thing you could Even do. Even losing, you'd be like, guys, we need a reality check. 
we messed up. But they didn't even lose. Everybody lo- everybody loses in a tie. Everyone loses. Uh, All right. Najee Harris was like, I didn't even know we had tie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we're going to go to Greg Rosenthal's oh QB gosh. rankings. Now, so now, Andrew. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. What's your favorite team in the NFL? Dallas Cowboys. Who is Greg Rosenthal's number one quarterback for this week? Somehow Dak Prescott. Um, so what, so <laughs> look, we should probably preface this, Harry. Um, sure. So Greg Rosenthal is a writer for NFL Network. And each week he does, he has a QB index and uh, we're, we're going to have, I'm going to detail his, uh, his terms here because we need to like, get in the framework of what he's, of what he's arguing with these rankings. So he's basically ranking. Here's the thing. He's ranking the best quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Harry, mm-hmm. this is what he's ranking. He is not ranking who was the, who had the, which quarterback had the best individual performance of the week? That is not what he's right, ranking. Right. He is ranking which quarterbacks are the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and needless to say, first of all, he doesn't he doesn't even bother to rank um, you know hurt quarterbacks. He only ranks active quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? So honestly, I think that's a bit of a deficiency right there. Um, but and I I disagree with that, but. Under the pretense that he is arguing for the best quarterbacks in the NFL, right? That means you have to take not only this season's context into account, but also the previous season's context into account to qualify who's the best quarterback in the NFL. And Mr. Rosenthal does not do that. Now, this is not a personal attack on Rosenthal. Uh, We don't hate the guy personally. But and he's definitely been a bit of a punching bag for us uh, here on the show. Really, I think it's worth mentioning that I don't think it's so much that Rosenthal is exceptionally bad, but more that he's uh, a, a microcosm of the of our broader problem yes. with NFL media, like NFL.com, that kind of the, the first line of NFL media yes. tends to favor narratives over substance. Yes. But without any further ado, yes. let's talk about that list. So, yeah, um, you're going to... St- for, for the folks who actually, you know, bother to follow football, or even if you've just watched a couple of games this season, um, let me just roll you through the top five real quick. So number <laughs> one is Dak Prescott, which I'm sorry, you know, as much as I love Dak, um, he has the easiest quarterbacking job, not only in the NFL, but maybe in America, straight Except up. Except for Tom Brady. Except for Tom Brady and the guy who's quarterbacking for Alabama pretty yep. much. Um, those are the three easiest quarterback jobs in in the country, really in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And Tom Brady and Dak Prescott are one and two. And, um, you know, the guy who's playing for Alabama will probably be drafted. So just really concerning that this is how you start off. Um, I just, you can't rake these guys so high. It, they're actually similar you know play style wise i would actually compare them to each other Uh, they're very methodical you know make the machine run like run amazingly but and elevate elevate players around them they're really freaking good quarterbacks but i'm sorry like these guys are not one and two they they don't have the physical traits 
that elevate them above other guys. And they don't. They just simply don't have the the track record. Tom Brady, you can argue that, but look at his surrounding situation. You know, you know, you can't pretend like having one of the best receiving cores in the league isn't going to elevate you a little bit. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and I want to say one thing, right? Which I think is an important point to be made. You cannot be the number one quarterback in the NFL if. I can look at a quarterback's offense and say, well, if they put someone else in there, the offense would work significantly better, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's true of both Dak and Tom Brady. Now that's obviously only true for a couple of quarterbacks. Your Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson's when they shake off the rust, your Mahomes, right? Obviously they're up there, but I think that you're right, Andrew. They're system quarterbacks who know how to make the system sing, you know, it's good. But at the end of the day, If someone said, you know, I need you to rely completely on this guy's individual performance, because these are individual rankings, I just don't think you could put Tom Brady and Dak Prescott where they are. No, like, you just can't rank him that high. Then number three is Lamar Jackson, which I, I like Lamar, but come on. You have Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. You know, even Tom Brady and Dak Prescott. Uh, uh, I, don't, jo- I wouldn't put Tom. Jo- Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah. As well. Kyler well, Murray. Some... Kyler Murray. Let's Pat talk Stafford. about Josh Allen, shall we? We'll talk about Josh Allen here in a second. We'll talk about Josh Allen because I'm not sure I'd put him above Lamar at this point. I... But I'm I'm sorry. Lamar's doing Lamar. Lamar is exceeding my expectations this year. I do think he he's up here, but this is just a little too rich for my blood especially who I consider to be, you know, inarguably ahead of him, uh, like your Rodgers, your Mahomes, your your Wilsons. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't agree with him that high. And then probably one of the yeah. biggest surprises on the list is at four, Derek Carr. Do we, do we need uh, to explain this one, Harry? No, no, we do not, because I think anyone who looks you in the eye and says Derek Carr is the top five quarterback in the NFL – can comfortably be shipped off to the insane asylum. Yeah, like, you know, muttering criminally insane things to yourself was about the same thing as saying Derek Carr's the fourth-best quarterback in the NFL. Um, this guy, he's coming back to earth. He's he after, uh, after the Henry Rugg situation, which, you know, was really opening up Derek Carr's as a quarterback and, you know, helping him push the ball downfield more. After Ruggs uh, got in his situation and is now no longer on the team, you can really see Derek Carr regressing back to what he was in previous years. And he's just not a quarterback that will elevate your offense. He does not really elevate the players around him. And that's not a a top-five quarterback. It really isn't. He's like... He, he's like if Tom Brady and Dak Prescott, but less, you know? Yeah, honestly, I'd say that he's Tom Brady without the uh, pedigree, though I would argue a lot of that was driven by luck, or Dak Prescott without the consistency. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. Josh Allen at five, I'm actually fine with. I'm, I'm fine with I that. think it's a little high, but nah. Yeah, Matt Stafford. No, it's not way off. Matt Stafford at six. Honestly, with the way he's been playing these past two weeks, I'd bump him down a little bit, but that's fine. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not 
you know, throwing tables and whatnot. Stat Padford. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Because, I mean, let's be honest. In Detroit, though, he had, what was it? He had, like, a, he was, like, eight, it was, like, seven and 86 against playoff teams. Like, it was bad. I mean, that, a lot of that is on the Lions, so let's be real. Seven and 86. If you can call out Kirk Cousins for a terrible primetime record, you can call out Matt Stafford for not being able to beat good teams with the Lions. Anyways, moving on. Aaron Rodgers at seven, I think, is sacrilege. Um, I, I, think, uh, I, think, I think Rodgers is a lock for top three. They are weekly rankings, so I will say in Greg's defense, Aaron looked pretty bad this week, and he's coming back. So, like, I don't think it's unreasonable because they are weekly rankings. So, no, but you're uh, like you're supposed to be changing it based off every week, right? But you're supposed to be taking the context of the previous week into account. You know, just because some guys on buy doesn't knock him down. You're gonna you're gonna roast him for okay, being hurt. Uh, well. Nay, he wasn't hurt and he wasn't on a bye. He was an idiot. He lied about being vaccinated. And um he looked really rusty against the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean you could apply the same to Russell Wilson as well, who is yeah, way who also too low. tanked. Yeah, Russell Wilson is too low. But Aaron Rodgers, I think, is defensible because it is a weekly ranking. So you could say obviously he's not gonna stay here, but for this week, you know. Yeah, and, and then Justin Herbert at eight. Honestly, I'm that's probably right. Yeah, yeah. Pat Pat Mahomes at nine. Look, you know, say what you want about Patrick Mahomes this year, and you know maybe his over aggressiveness, but you can't put him at ninth. That's, Jeez, that's way too low. This guy was the consensus number one quarterback for three years, and he he throws you know a few more interceptions and he plays. Uh, a little more aggressively this year and it hasn't been going his way and suddenly he's he's just he just sucks i'm sorry that's that's so short-sighted it is so heavily based on recency bias right right um and really you can say that about this entire ranking uh, you know it's it's so heavily relies on recency bias and I don't know, man. Kirk Cousins at, as a top 10 quarterback. Stop it. Stop it, Greg. No. I'm ready. I'm ready for the narrative. Kirk Cousins is the best. I will hear no word of the contrary. Kirk Cousins is the next Bobby Brister. Okay? He is so good. And you know what? You know what they want to say? They want to tell you. And by they, I mean the lamestream NFL media. They're like, oh, what about Tom Brady? What about Patrick Mahomes? Kirk Cousins is great, okay? He is. Let me ask you something, Andrew. Uh-huh. How many interceptions does Kirk Cousins have on this year? Two, actually. How many interceptions does Tom Brady have in the first half of one game just this past week? Two. How many interceptions does Patrick Mahomes have? Uh, ten. He has ten. I rest my case. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is the best. Uh, I, I do I do have a soft spot for Kirk. Um, I love Kirk. And also, I will say one thing, which is that I feel like he often gets a really bad rap because he doesn't tend to perform well in primetime games. But I think he could have he been, um, and I think he should be more respected. Top 10, maybe not. But seriously, I think he's been disrespected for too long. Like, he's, he's in that 12 to 16 range at, at quarterback, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think he could have slid in comfortably at staying around 12 in some of his better years. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I also feel like his the people have really given him a ton of crap for his Vikings tenure, but there have been a lot of tough things about that Vikings tenure. Injuries have been, you know, his best weapon, Dalvin Cook, has been in and out of the line of a lot of the time. Mike Zimmer has regressed as a coach to uh, a rather shocking degree. And he'd have a lot more wins under his belt if the Vikings could find a decent, consistent kicker, you know? Yeah, um, that, I, I think part, part of that is pretty accurate. I disagree uh, to a certain degree on, um, on the Zimmer part. It's not that the game has passed Zimmer by. It's just that his offensive philosophy just that that doesn't work. His def- his defensive philosophy and his defensive scheme and the way he gets his well, players going, it's still great. It's well, just is that it though? He's just like so last year, didn't he coach stubborn. a terrible defense? Was it last year or two years ago? The Vikings were just bad on defense. Yeah, I know. For the but first that, time was Zimmer. Yeah, for the first time was Zimmer. But look at them this year; they're back to being really yeah, good. Yeah, no, I mean, he's coming back. But I mean, I feel like that that's unfair to to Kurt uh, to Kurt to Kirk. He comes into a defense for his team. And yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I actually don't think Zimmer's a bad coach, but when you come to a team and their head coach's offensive philosophy is just like not working, it, it's like straight. Rough. It's like it's an offensive philosophy straight out of two thousand and eight, where yeah. they're still running the ball heavily. You know, just not modernizing in the best of ways. This is why they really miss Kevin Stefanski as their offensive yeah. coordinator. It's just the the lack of aggressiveness. If it, it feels like this. Like the offense is stuck like 10, 15 years behind. I mean, jokes aside about Kirk's low pick numbers, he's only thrown two picks this year. You can afford to get him to let him be more aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. He's a veteran QB with a good arm who knows how to push the ball downfield without completely choking. And, that, know, and, that, and that's, actually, picks. that's actually something I'll note. Uh, I, I know we're kind of side, sidestepping here to just the Vikings in general, but let's look at the Vikings this year, right? Um, the really unique thing about the Vikings is that they have the capacity to be so much better than they currently are. They're currently four and five, but you'll see in the games that mattered where they barely lost, let's go with the Ravens and the Chargers, right? They go into the game game with the game plan of, okay, this, these offenses are, are explosive. We need to push the ball downfield or else they're going to run all over us and we're going to lose. And they can do it. They can do it. 31 points against the Ravens. They almost won that game. Uh, 27 points against the, against a good Chargers team. They won the game. Um, and against the Seahawks, way, 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 way back. Uh, 30 to 17, just a couple, just like a, about a month and a half ago. When they go into the game knowing that they need to be aggressive, they have the capacity to do it, and more often than not, they have succeeded. But let's go into some of their key embarrassing weeks. The Cowboys game. The absolute embarrassment of that Cowboys game is something that will loom over the organization for the rest of the season. Because they went in knowing that it was going to be Cooper Rush, a backup quarterback, coming into the game. And instead of saying to themselves, okay, it's a backup quarterback this week, let's be aggressive, and let's, and let's just destroy the Cowboys this week because they, they're working on a backup, all right? They're working on hope and a prayer. Instead of doing that, they decide, and this is a saying I love, Harry, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes, all right? <laughs> and the Vikings decided to just be anemic to 
throw to the sticks to um, to play ball control and to just be totally safe. It, they they acted as if they were the underdog team going in there trying to scrape out a defensive win. You know, hey, don't like don't don't let Kirk throw too much. He might screw us over in the game. Uh, let's let's just calm down and play defense. Run the ball and play defense, guys. You play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. They should have thrown the ball more. They should have been aggressive, and they weren't. They just weren't. They weren't. It was an embarrassment. It was an embarrassing game plan, and it bit them. It bit them in the behind. And I think this is something you're going to see this week, actually, against against the Packers, because they know that they're on thin ice against the Packers. Um, they're you're, you're going to see them get aggressive. And yeah. uh, honestly, uh, I I don't think it's impossible for the Vikes to win this week. Obviously, the Packers are favored, but. Again, look at the games in which they were going into the game game knowing they had to be aggressive. Bengals Vikings week 1, 24 to 27, one score loss. Cardinals week 2, 33 to 34, one score loss. Actually, one point loss. Seahawks mm-hmm. Seahawks, this was when Russell Wilson was still around. 30 to 17. And they beat Russell. Wilson. They beat Russell Wilson. Uh and Obviously, the last two weeks against the Chargers and the Ravens, they beat those two teams as well. But you see, yeah. in the games where they played stupid, which was against the Browns, against the Lions, and against the against the Cowboys, they are barely scraping out losses because they continue to just defang themselves. They just declaw themselves. All right, they just throw all their Viking weapons into the water as. They're rowing their boats across uh, across the, uh, the 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 United States. Okay, they are playing stupid games, Harry, and they can't keep getting away with it. Hmm. I mean, that's true, but I will say the Vikings with Zimmer, who has actually relearned how to coach a defense after last year's aberration, they are kind of an interesting pick to like. If they get into a wild card team, they're kind of a team you don't want to play. I know this is a scrappy team with weapons that has the yeah. that has the capacity to make noise, and they when just they beat Tom don't. Brady in the playoffs, when they when it happens, when Kirk Cousins knocks off Tom Brady, he will ascend. I really to hope be the so. Number one of all the QB rankings, Greg on, Rosenthal will have to. And honestly, you talk about lovable losers. I do love the Vikings. I, I, I have yeah. I have a soft spot for the Vikings. And, you know, I will say one thing, right? Obviously, I'm attached to Kirk, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. But I don't know, man. I just feel like Kirk Cousins, yeah, he's a bit crazy with the, are you getting vaccinated? Quote, if I die, I die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is crazy. He's one of those. But, you know, I don't know. I feel like he never really got a fair shake. He was drafted as a footnote because the big deal was that DC picked RG3. Mm-hmm. He actually stepped in, filled the void, and played quite well. Got totally screwed by DC, who refused to commit to him, despite the fact that they had no plan B. Uh, and considering Washington has started Mark Sanchez and Josh Johnson in the last couple of years, clearly moving on from Kirk Cousins was not a winning plan. And that we still 
haven't really found a long-term answer at QB since Kirk left. And, and the one time that they tried with Dwayne Haskins, that was a was flame disaster. out. Yeah. Uh, and no one on the coaching staff wanted him. I feel bad also for Jay Gruden. That kind of whole era oh, of yeah. Washington football in a, in a half-decent organization – that's a semi-regular playoff team with a floor of like a six and 10, seven and nine record. But through a combination of admittedly injury luck, though, considering some of those team trainers kept getting fired, maybe that's also on the organization a little bit, but seriously, outside of some bad injury luck and, you know, the fact that Jay Gruden was a limited coach, you know, this is the guy who once called three consecutive end zone fades from the one yard line. <laughs> But in the end, Jay Gruden came in as the quarterback's coach from the Bengals, and he developed Kirk Cousins into one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, he did his job. And I feel like both he and uh, Kirk Cousins deserve better. And I think both they both of them didn't really get much of a better chance once they were moving on from Washington. You know? Yeah, especially Jay Gruden. I actually like Jay Gruden as an offensive mind. Uh, he had last year with the Jags, you know, where I actually think he did a pretty good job of of orchestrating the offense and getting the most out of his players, uh, such as Keelan Cole, um, you know, LaVisca Chenault, you know, as the sure. uh, at the end of the year, developing DJ Chark into uh, a very, uh, a potentially great receiver. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL this year, uh, which, you know, this year was, he was kind of primed to break out. Um he developed a group of receivers. He had he worked with Minshew uh, and kind of rode Minshew out throughout that Minshew mania era. Um, Jay Gruden is not a bad offensive mind at all, uh, and I think he would have been a solid hire as an offensive coordinator for a, a, defe- a defensive-minded team that really needed an offensive mind uh, to kind of complement them. And unfortunately, it just never happened. Uh, look out for Jay Gruden because I actually do. Uh, I, I do yeah. like Jay Gruden. But anyway, 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 I think we can sort of, I mean, is that, is there anything else super egregious on the list? We mentioned how oh, Russell Wilson I, I, got trust buried. Me, I bet you there's tons of, uh, of just yeah. absurd stuff we could rave and rant over. Uh, Trevor, but I think Trevor Samian at 22. Oh my God, I forgot about this. Um, Why does he hate Taylor Heineke so much? I'm I, sorry. I don't like, know. I don't know. You got after the upset win, Heineke's got to at least be like 25, 24, not 26. Like, come on. Like, he's above Tyrod Taylor. Come on now. He's probably above Tua, to be honest. Just, uh, he, he's definitely above Trevor Simeon. Uh, and probably I, Daniel Jones. No, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. But... Well, I would, I would. <laughs> I would because he sucked since an early start. But yeah, like I think we've kind of made our point. Uh, we kind of yeah. End yeah. Up... Let me just say, let me just say, last word on Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is the kid who walks in and somehow, super luckily, aces the first test and then just watches his grade slip for the rest of the semester because he <laughs> actually is an idiot and can't get anything done. But he's got that original ninety-eight percent, so it starts tumbling. But he still has that like residue of the original good grade, you know. Yeah, like I think we've made our point. Uh, we end up making this point like every other week or so. Um, it's true because we just love Greg Rosenthal's just so much. He gives us a lot of content, you know. Thanks, thank Honestly. you, Greg. Greg with three yeah. total G's. <laughs> Very mad about that one, are you, Greg? Gunka. Greg Gunka's <laughs> Rosenthal. All right, no need to get personal here. 
<laughs> all right, all right. I think that I think that's our I think our point has been made. I think our yeah, I think our point's been made. So let's talk for a moment about our next subject, which was CBS Sports actually published an article called the 2021 NFL playoff picture. Here are the projected postseason chances for all 32 teams heading into week 11. All right. So they predicted that the Titans are going to be the AFC South champions. How do I feel about that, Andrew? Um, the Titans have such a lead at this point over the Colts. Right. That's probably right. And honestly, to be clear, this isn't a power ranking. This is a who's most likely to. Yeah, hold on. Let me take a quick look at their uh, upcoming schedule. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know who the Titans are. Playing. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it's a pretty easy schedule to close the year out. Oh, it's. Oh yeah, it's easy. Yeah. It. it you got. Actually, yeah. You got. You got two matchups with the Texans. One more with the Jags. Uh, Steelers, which they'll probably pull out. The Dolphins have been terrible this year. Jeez, and, do they play anyone good? Uh, the Pats and the Niners are pretty. Yeah, much they'll probably lose to the Pats. Yeah, I think they'll split one of those games. Uh, I think they're going to lose to the Pats. I think they might beat the Niners, but I don't think they'll beat the Pats. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would. AFC te- AFC East teams can't beat Belichick. That's true, but I mean, I, I'm I'm sorry, you know, considering or AFC that, South rather, yeah, AFC just in general. Yeah, but considering that the Titans are a team with base that's built around one receiver. But now that now that Julio Jones got put on IR about a week ago, so you're working with one receiver, uh, a quarterback which can be very iffy, um, and a defense which is which has paper thin depth. Not only that, but Derrick Henry is hurt, Julio yeah. Jones is hurt, so that entire running game that your offense was built around, you're basically relying on the fossil of Adrian Peterson and seeing you can just crush that bone, make it into some petroleum and trying to shove it in your car. All right. That's basically what you got left out of Adrian Peterson. And I love AP, but I don't know, man. This this is a team that I think is going to fold in, in January. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think that they're not, but they are likely to win the division. <laughs> so yeah. they still think that the Bills are likely to win the division, the AFC East, which uh, is true. Like they probably are more likely than anyone else, but not by that much anymore. You know, not by like a ton. No, and they still got, they still got like their last few weeks are still pretty easy, but they still need both. Matchups with the Pat, they still need both matchups with the Pats plus a date with the with the Bucks. Uh, this so. is a very this is a very losable division for them. I think is the way to look yeah. at it. Yeah, but let's just skip ahead real quick to a more interesting conversation, which is the Ravens are still the favorites, though according to the computer model, Ravens have about a forty seven point percent chance of winning the division compared to the Steelers at twenty six point one percent, the Bengals at fourteen point one percent, and the Browns at twelve point three percent. I would agree with that, but it's tight. It's really tight. It's uh, tight, but honestly, the fact that pretty much every other AFC North team has either looked good but but gotten bad results or gotten decent results but looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. The Ravens are the only one who who I feel like are actually good consistently. Yeah. yeah. I w- and I they're not even that consistent, that. mind you. But, like, I don't know. Like, the Steelers do not have a quarterback. The Bengals, what happened to them? They can't in, even in, hold in, a lead. Inconsi- inconsistent. 
And the Browns, I'm sorry, the season's over, bro. <laughs> the, the, season, the season is on ice, considering the that... Browns they, Twitter ironically posting that video of Baker Mayfield dancing after that <laughs> terrible game. It's just kind of the Patriots game. It's just, man, the season's over, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate. It's just a bit of a lost season for the Browns, and it, it makes me very sad. Um, and a lot of it is injury luck, honestly. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of it is injury luck. A lot of it is Baker Mayfield has been beaten and just defeated. The poor guy. Uh, he gets way too much hate, by the way. It's not. It's not like he's playing perfect or anything. But people are saying he's not he, played poorly. But yeah. It, but it's not as if he sucks. All right. This isn't. The, this isn't the new Jared Goff. All right, people need to. Calm Speaking down. of whom, Jared Goff, man, he had Ooh. like so he had like how many quarters that he threw 114 yards? No, he had, <laughs> no, he had five quarters because it went into overtime. Yeah, and going into going into overtime, he had under 100 yards. That's amazing. That okay. was he was so, so bad. Jumping ahead to the AFC West, they're favoring the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, with the only other serious contender being the Chargers, with a bit more of an outside chance. Yeah. I agree with that. I think that's right. I think yep. the, I think the Chiefs have gotten back on track. The Patriots are their their sort of slot for the wild card one. Obviously, you can kind of replace them with the Bills, depending on who you expect to win the division. The team that doesn't win the AFC East would then take the wild card slot. I think we can generally agree on that as well. I mean, it's such a deep AFC, you know. Yeah, it's true. So interestingly, the computer is still on board with the Chargers pretty hard, and it and it slots them at wild card too. Yeah, I agree with that. And then it actually slots the the Steelers into wild card three. That's the thing, though that that seventh that seventh wild card spot. Because remember, folks, now that the now the playoffs have expanded, and so has the regular season. So there are now three wild card spots um, for for the playoffs, and uh, that third wild card spot, man, it could genuinely be anybody. Yeah, especially I mean, realistic. Well, it, it can't be anybody. Obviously, like the Jets, the Texans, the Jags, they're out of it. Probably the Dolphins, too. I mean, yes, the Dolphins, too. I mean, yeah, sure. You have you have your you have your bottom feeders. But outside of the absolute bottom feeders, it could genuinely be anybody. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you got the Steelers, the Colts, um, Bengals, I guess, Raiders in that kind of category. Yes. Then you got, like, the Browns and the Broncos, who are not that far away, but, like, barring an incredible turnaround, I doubt they're really there. They could still make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. They could still make it. Like, mathematically, it's still very possible, but I'm not sure I see the Browns making a run, and I don't think I see the Broncos making a run. (laughs) But, yeah, so certainly a very interesting AFC, and there's going to be – there could be quite a bit of movement. But I think we generally agree with the assessment of the CBS, uh, CBS Sports algorithm for the AFC. Well, let's talk about the NFC, Andrew. Now, the NFC so, is interesting because it's so. It's, first of all, the yeah. it's actually kind of in, so the first division they do is the NFC North, which is very easy to predict. It's the Packers. Yeah, Without I don't think that. there's any argument. Here's an interesting one. So their NFC West selection was the Cardinals, and it still is the Cardinals. Just a bit, I think just, that's, just a bit more lukewarm on it. Yeah, the main reason that uh, it was so sympathetic, you know, they have a little blurb under, is that it adjusted for Kyler Murray not playing, mm. so it was very sympathetic to what was a pretty bad loss. Yeah, uh, but they were sympathetic, and is that true? 
Is that true? Do I you would, take I, I would agree with that. Yeah. When you when What's DeAndre, Kyler's health status? I actually don't know right now. Because um, I feel like if Kyler gets back healthy, sure. But, like, if he's going to have a nagging injury, who's to say the Rams or the – really the Rams, though. Yeah. Don't overtake him. But, um, I mean, I don't know Kyler's status right now. But over the last two weeks, you're missing both DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. That's a hard ask. That's a really hard ask. And, honestly, the fact that they went one and one in that stretch – but did th- you have to get blown out by the Panthers? But they embarrassed the Niners. The Niners are not that good, though. Except did you see them smack the Rams last week? Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but I'm sorry. The, the I don't know. I don't know what was going on there, but I'm sorry. The Niners haven't been good all season except for that one game against the Rams. I don't know. Maybe this is the beginning of a Niners turnaround. Maybe it is. Yeah, but the NFC, which... The NFC West, which everybody expected to be tight, is probably going tight. to tighten. Yeah, it's going to tighten up. Um, you know, not Tennessee Titans tighten up, but uh, just be <laughs> be closer. You know, that's actually the, one of their one of their promotional slogans. By the way, sure it is. I'm, t- I'm sure it is. It's tighten up. It's unoriginal and, enough to be an NFL promotional slogan. I know, but anyways, um, the North Packers, uh, the West Cardinals and Rams, I think are are locks to make it the east we got the boys and that's it which is not true because the washington football team will obviously win out while the cowboys will lose out obviously but unless that happens you know i mean not unless that happens when that happens they'll all look foolish but until that happens fine yeah they're likely to do it yeah then for the nfc south they've got the bucks i think bucks are, are sure to make it and then i don't know saints might turn it around uh, here's what they got and this is interesting Andrew. it's interesting that you say that yeah because their wildcard slots are rams saints niners um i don't i don't disagree with that i'm gonna be honest i actually think this is a pretty bad lineup of wildcard teams not in that i think it's unlikely but now i think it, it makes for less interesting playoffs oh yeah in that sense yes i uh, don't want to see the saints or really the niners in the playoffs to be honest Unless the Niners get healthy or they play so well that they look really good, I don't really want to see the Niners or the Saints get into the playoffs. I'd rather see a team like the Vikings. Or... I would. I would love to see the Vikings make the playoffs. I really. It's that's really the only other team that's good that like is genuinely good in the NFC that is not included as a playoff team. Um, of course, I'd love to see my Washington Football Team in there, and they will get there, but. Maybe not this year. <laughs> Eventually. I mean, they'll get there. Riverboat Ron, we're going to win out. But until we win out, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't our year. Yeah. Know. I mean, if I'm being honest, it's I think it's for sure going to be two from the West. Um, and then, may, then a collection, you know, like take your pick of Niners, Vikes, Saints, and maybe Seahawks if they turn it around really fast. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. They I don't, I don't, I, Russ, I, yeah, I think, I think. The fact that Russ didn't come back and set the world on fire is kind of a death yeah. now, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks, it's going to be a long rest of the season. Uh, yeah, Russ, Russ needs is. to turn it, turn it around real quick. Yep. So then, one last thing before we go. Uh, and, and this does need to be quick, by the way, because we are almost yeah. out of time. Yep. I just wanted to go over a few 
things. So one, Justin Verlander coming off Tommy John did resign with the Houston Astros, uh, $25 million for one year, but he gets a player option next year. Uh, this is not unbelievably shocking. This is about the deal people expected him to sign. It wasn't a guarantee he'd resign with the Astros, but it's interesting that he did. Uh, unfortunate for the Mariners because he's the kind of high upside arm that they, with all their cap space, would go after. So that's a bit of a shame. Um, Scott Service, the Mariners manager, did not win AL Manager of the Year. Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, won it, which is not surprising. Kevin Cash and the Rays won 100 games. But I think it's a little unfair because I think the Rays were a better roster than the Mariners. I think Scott got more, did more with less, you know. And finally, it has been announced that Ichiro will be inducted into the Mariners Hall of Fame on August 27th. As uh, they haven't done it already? Yeah, they they have like a, a wait period Um, waiting period but yeah so that is that's just something to watch out for it might be a fun ceremony to go to uh you know so that's that's fun obviously itro is going to be a lock for cooperstown he's going to go in in a mariner's cap so that'll be fun but for now we can be tied we can tie ourselves over in 2021 with a nice ceremony in uh late august Mm. all righty thank you so much for listening to this episode of bubby's brunch buddies i hope you've enjoyed get a new perspective on the nfl or at least gain some Bubby Brister trivia. Thanks for listening.